Hey there, I'm Alan Furstenberg. Hey, I'm Linda Lawton. Welcome to Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. Ay, ay, ay. Boy, it's been a week. How you doing, Linda? Been crazy busy. I hear well, you. Been so, very busy trying to do stuff one-handed, and Google releases the new Gemini 1.5 and gives us access. I mean, that, that's pretty awesome. I feel, I feel pretty honored that we were able to get access to it, and a bunch of other GDEs have as well. Yeah. Um, and there's a wait list for other folks who, who want to, to try it. Um, but it's, it's, it's early. It's very experimental, and uh, we're experimenting. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I have questions. Well, I've got a lot of questions. We'll get to those questions in yeah. a few minutes, I think. First, um, I don't know, what, how would you describe, I guess, the notable features of Gemini 1.5? What's, what's the big deal here? Well, I guess the biggest feature for everybody is the fact that it's a million tokens. Right. That's, that's obviously the biggest feature for everybody. But I think for me personally, the fact that it can load videos now and that it can load from folders is is actually also a legitimate, decent enhancement that we haven't had previously. I agree. I think the upgrade to AI Studio was a, a good upgrade. It's given us some new features that, that we get to play with there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this, but I've seen a couple of people report some bugs. There, there are certainly bugs with Workspace, for example especially. But overall, I think this is a, a, an interesting step in progress. So 1 million tokens, that's, that's obviously a big deal. You know, the, the previous version of Gemini topped out at about uh, 30k. 30k tokens. Yeah. Um, and there have been other LLMs out there with fairly large context token context windows, but none of them this big. Do we know uh, what the uh, token limit is for ChatGTP right now? Sure. Um, it depends on the model, and I think they've got a couple of models with different size context windows, but I'm, I'm going by memory. I'm pretty sure one of them is, again, a 32K context window. I'm pretty sure they've got uh, larger context windows that go up to like 128K, and some of them may even be larger. So uh, there, there are some substantial sizes, but I, I think Google came out with the, the 1 million just to say, hey, we can do this. Yeah, we, 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 our, ours we're, is bigger than yours. You know, but also kind of making the point that we're still in the race. Oh, yeah. You know, and I, I think that's very much a part of the point that they were trying to make here. Um, so I know one question you keep asking me, and you asked me in our, in our promo video for this, was what is a token? I mean, yeah, I, I think I understand what a token is, but not in a, a rudimentary sense. I mean... I guess I, I like to think of a token as like, what, four characters or something? Well, the thing is, it's variable. And that's kind of the point, is that a token just represents some, some unit, some abstract unit, some abstract set of things. So in English, it could be up to, you know, three or four characters or so. Um, in other languages, it's a smaller number of characters. But it's kind of, uh, I like to think of it as these LLMs have their own character set, and mm. a token is just a character in that character set. And for English, a token may represent more than one English character. So, you know, the phrase, the quick brown fox, 
the may be a single token because the it's, is pretty it's, common. It's a it's a common word used for searching. So right. it's, yeah, all right. Yeah, okay. And Q U may be another token, or even QUI may be another token, because that's a common character combination. But there's no way for a developer or a user to realistically know by typing something in how many tokens that something is going to cost without well, actually querying the API and checking the, the cost on it. No, although um, many of the token, uh, many of the tokenizer systems release a library so that you'll know locally how many tokens it is. So you don't need to call an API. There are libraries that do this for you. Oh, that, that'll, um, be, very, that'll be very useful because having right. to make a request every time to find out, to make sure that I'm not going to be spending $100 right. on one request. Right. And all of them have a, token, a tokenizer or a token count endpoint that's free. No, so yeah. you... So you well, can't no, just send to an free API because you have to send a request. An HTTP request is going to cost you HTTP time. It's going okay. to cost you. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Time. No, that's fair. That's fair. It's it is monetarily free. Yes, but not so it doesn't. Power. Right. The only thing it does is count how many tokens there are. No. It's not going to. They're not charging you for counting tokens. So roughly speaking, that's what a token is. So. <sighs> To kind of give a sense on what 1 million tokens is, Google published uh, this comparison. So 1 million tokens means that Gemini 1.5 can process an hour worth of video or 11 hours worth of audio, uh, about 700,000 words, or about 30,000 lines of code. And all, you know, any of those will fit inside the Gemini 1.5 context window. Um, and that's the, the 1 million context window, to be clear. Now, they, they're planning on releasing it by default with a smaller context window, about 128K. And they've also tested it with approximately 10 million token context window. Okay. All right. Now, I did some testing because... You know, this character stuff, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, and they asked um, us to do some testing, so that's yeah, that's fair. One of the very first tests that I normally do is I try and get Gemini to read um, Danish. Because I speak okay. Danish and English, right? So I uploaded one of my favorite PDF files, which is the Danish citizenship PDF file. The the study material that they give you for the Danish citizenship test. That is 18.1 meg. Okay? Okay. That was a little over 180,000 tokens. Okay. So, megabyte-wise. Well, again, that goes to, you know, were there graphics included? Yeah. There's pictures in it as well. So, it's so it's a 210 so, pages, but yeah, there's pictures in it and there's formatting in it. And right. So so the pictures get stripped out in the in the testing that we were doing. I don't know because I uploaded I uploaded the file basically. Right, and but uh, yeah, all I don't Gemini know was whether or not it, if it if it looks at the pictures or not, I'm not sure. 
it strips out the pictures. I think that okay. was commented somewhere. Um, and basically, so, so it's a Danish, it's a file in Danish. There's no English in it. And I asked it to um, tell me about the file. I had a couple of issues with the fact that I uploaded this file and it kept coming back with, I'm an AI, I don't have access to files. So this is one of the bugs that annoyed the heck out of me was that I couldn't, you know, I uploaded a file to you. Google says you should be able to read this file, but I couldn't get it to read the file. I finally got it to read the file by actually using the full name, Lea Material to Infosrots Plural and Punctum PDF. What can you tell me about that file? Then it was able to know what file I was talking about. So I actually had to give it the full file name. See, it was interesting for me, what I was doing when I was uploading files was I, it, it, it doesn't, once it's uploaded, it doesn't treat it as a file. It treats it as it just inlines it in the middle of the prompt. So, so what were you saying to it? What do you see? I'm saying, given this text, what, you know, tell me about, so oh, what I, so the test I that I did, the test that I did was I uploaded an English translation of Les Miserables, the original <laughs> Victor Hugo novel. Okay. That's a big file. How big was that? It's a big file. It came to uh, about 800,000 tokens. Oh, you found the good one. All right. One of the concerns, though, that, that you and I had as we were thinking about tests for this is this is stuff that it could be trained on. Les yes. Miserables yes. is in the public domain, right? So I inserted into Les Miserables at the suggestion of uh, a friend of mine, Roger Kibbe, three additional facts. So you're testing it. So I was testing it. I was testing needle in a haystack. And then I asked questions about the whole thing, including questions about the three additional facts to mm -hmm. see whether it could find that information. It found two of the three perfectly. All right, then I'm surprised. And when I asked it, how does this text differ from the original Les Miserables, it gave me an answer. It basically said, the text that you included includes a note about certain translation changes. It missed the three facts yeah. that I added. So if it's been trained on the English translation of Les Miserables, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, it wasn't using it. I was able to get it to, to examine this 80,000 token set and it did a reasonable job at finding those needles in the haystack but i think this you know this highlights one of the issues that i know that you and i had in in preparing for this is where do we find original content well yeah i mean it, it hadn't even occurred to me until you said it that it's been trained on everything at least in theory it's been trained on tons you know one of the things that I see a lot of people talking about is, you know, oh, I loaded in the, uh, the documentation for some library and asked it questions. And I'm like, well, okay. How well, did, did you test how well it works if you hadn't loaded those in? You know, could you do, did you do a comparison between the two? So you and I, I know, went and did a lot of work trying to find original content. Well, uh, one of the one of the first ideas I had was was like patient history data from the hospital or something. If you've got a, a patient that's suffering from cancer and they have a huge 
giant, you know, file from different, you know, areas of the hospital and load something like that in. Well, unfortunately, it can't. Well, maybe I could get access, but I don't want to bother trying to get access. It seems like a bad thing to test it on anyway. But you and I did come up with data that we have to the data that we have access to. Yes. The next Um, best thing. Alan and I have um, have been testing the data portability API. Um, the data portability API is Google's answer to part of GDPR. I can't remember exactly which. I think it was section 26 something point something something. Basically, the EU says that users have the right to extract their data and import it into other systems. Now, Google Takeout allows this, but the EU says it has to be programmatically enabled. So Google created the data portability API, which is like Google Takeout, only an API endpoint for it. Right. So, and kind of the, the yeah. use of this, the, the intended use of this is something like, you know, if uh, you are Vimeo or, you know, I'm establishing and, you know, I create a Vimeo account, I want to be able to just say, hey, Vimeo, I want all of my YouTube YouTube to be in Vimeo instead yep, of exactly. YouTube because I'm, exactly. I'm moving from YouTube to, video, to Vimeo. How can I do that? And right now, Vimeo can say, well, you need to do this step over there and then you do this step over here. Yeah. Uh, and it's bulky. It's complicated. It's a little bit technical. Instead, what the what EU is requiring is that you be able to say things like, OK, press this button, log into Google, authorize us, and we will get all your videos and let you know when it's all done. Yeah. So so that's the intent of this API. It's it's a lot scarier than that, but anyways, that's that's what it's supposed to do. It does a lot more that we I'd rather it didn't do. But anyways, we're not here to discuss the data portability API. I should put out one of those videos on my YouTube channel for that. Um, but anyways, so what so what data did you bring I, in from from data portability, and what did you do with it? I started with I did two things. But the first one that I did was um, my YouTube search history. Now, unfortunately, Gemini doesn't seem to like to eat JSON files, and the data portability API downloads as JSON is a giant JSON file. So I um, created a quick collab. I know you love collabs, Alan. Oh, um, That just took it all into a comma-separated string, basically. And then I loaded that into Gemini and I asked it to tell me about what this person likes. And um, it was actually really nice what it was able to tell me. It, it was actually able to describe a lot of things about me based upon my search history. This person likes to new, learn new programming languages. They likes to search on things. Uh, and even picked up the fact that I think a few years ago I was searching on crochet um, tutorials on how, learning how to crochet. So, I mean, that was actually kind of cute. I decided to take it one step further though. And uh, for that, I went digging around on Kaggle and I managed to find a Netflix data set. Whether or not it's up to date, I don't think so. I think it's from 2021 or something like that. Because let's be honest, Netflix gives really bad video recommendations. So I was like, okay, can Gemini give me better ones? So again, I had to clean up the 
the Kaggle data set and just grab, I, I think I took in the, the latest version I have, I took the title and the description of the video. What I'd like to do is title, description, and maybe category as well. Um, and into Again, into a CSV string. And then I said, you are a, uh, a video recommendation bot based upon this user's search history as follows. And then I gave it my search history from YouTube out of data portability. I says, this is uh, a list of current uh, videos on Netflix. What videos do you recommend this person see? I, I had to tweak that uh, prompt quite a bit because the first couple of times it, it only came with like, I can't tell you and I don't know and stuff like that. But the last time I ran it, it actually came with a good 10 or 15 videos that, that I should see. I scanned through them, half of them I'd never heard of before. Um, a few of them I have seen. Is it any better than what Netflix currently recommends to me? I don't know. But what I found better was the fact that I was able to go in to the data set and remove everything children related and everything reality TV related. <laughs> and that by default must make it better than what Netflix is showing me. So the original content that that I came up with, I fed it transcripts from two voice devs. Yes, I remember you said you were going to do that. So, uh, so one of one of the features that was uh, was good when we switched to a system about two years ago, is that it was generating transcripts, which I was turning into subtitles. So I now had a bunch of pretty clean transcripts mm -hmm. of the show including timestamps and who was speaking and so forth. Uh, it turns out that in the format that I had them in, uh, I could only get about 50, uh, I think I came to about 56 transcripts that came to about uh, 66,000 tokens. Nice. So I couldn't do the entire history, but that was about the past year, which is about when we've been talking about uh, large language models and such. And we had a bunch of guest hosts, including you, uh, mm -hmm. in there in this mix. So I fed it in, and I started asking questions, like, who are the hosts of Two Voice Devs? And it accurately said, Alan and Mark are the two main hosts, but there are some other guest hosts on occasion, like Linda Lawton and Noble Ackerson. Okay, that's mm -hmm. pretty good. I asked it some more general questions about, you know, what topics are they talking about and, and so forth, and it was answering pretty well. And then I started saying things like, how many episodes was Linda in? Mm -hmm. And it gave an answer, which was not, you know, I, I think it was off by one. Okay. That's a... So it was pretty close. And then started telling me which episodes. And that's where it tripped up. Yeah, but it's not very good at that. We've noticed this before. Well, I mean, if you're asking it specific questions about specific parts... Right. I mean, so, you know, I was at, you know, and what it was giving me, the, the, the ways that it was erroneous were really weird because it was saying you were in, you know, uh, a particular episode by number and then what you talked about. And you were neither in that episode, nor were you in an episode where you talked about that thing, nor was that thing that episode. 
See, I wondering. So it, it got very confused, but, but, it did identify correct topics. So it never completely hallucinated about a topic. It never said that you know any of the episodes were about something that we never talked about. But it could never quite connect all of the dots correctly. Could this be an issue now? Or could it be an issue with the token size being that this token is here and this one is here and it doesn't completely figure out? Well, the way I think about it is that these are, you know, these are sophisticated pattern machines. And it's not clear to me why it associated the patterns in the way that it did. But it did. You know, and I, and I feel like that's kind of the challenge with this right now is that it could identify broad patterns yeah it's just um, having issues could, with the fine tuning well but but even you know what the Les Miserables test showed me is that it's able to find little individual things it could find that needle in the haystack but there's just something where it's not fully connecting all the pieces well i think and, it's having issues with counts because remember your cookie test there that we did a while back where you were testing it on the cookies on the on the plate the number of it oh, was oh. never able to count the proper it was number never of able cookies. to count picture yeah i it, i think it's i think it's having issues with numbers that's a possibility too and that's a good point you know one of the things that i found interesting was i wasn't actually sure that i had episode numbers in any of these files um so i found it interesting that it was able to identify them anyway somehow well see that's the thing is i upload once you said you could upload videos i went ahead and uploaded one of the videos from my youtube channel just one that i had floating around on my machine here um and i asked it to um to tell me about it and it it wrote me the transcript for the video or what i thought was the transcript for the video but now you told me when we started this that it doesn't do audio and that it's, that was probably a huge hallucination. Now, the thing is, is I didn't really read it, honestly, and that video is probably a year and a half to two years old, so I don't even remember what I said in that video. Could it have been any, any good hits that you had that it gave you? Could they have actually been well-placed hallucinations? They would have to be really, really well-placed hallucinations. I mean, it, it, it did really have good. the full... Tra- I mean, it, you, you can't be 100% sure that it wasn't a hallucination. It well, but here's the thing. Guess. If it hallucinated, it hallucinated contextually. I mean, it wasn't giving me detailed, you know, a detailed explanation. But it was saying things like, you know, where they talked about using LLMs with Langchain. And I'm like, okay, we did have an episode where we talked about LLMs with Langchain. You know, so did it hallucinate? Yes, maybe. It did something. Did it hallucinate with the contents of the transcripts? Yes, it did. See, that's what really worries me about these hallucinations is that, I mean, you and I know that it hallucinates and not to trust it. But there are a lot of people out there that don't realize that these hallucinations really exist and how dangerous that they could be. Because, I mean, we're just testing on this kind of stuff. If somebody did test with medical data. Right. No, these are these are serious concerns, I think, right now. Um, let, me, let me tell you one other one that I did that's related to both videos and hallucinations. Oh, no. This was actually my favorite set of tests. So, again, I'm looking for 
content it's clearly never been trained on. See, that's going to be hard. It's hard, but I found it. And I found it because the same day Google released Gemini 1.5, OpenAI released a bunch of videos demonstrating their Sora uh, AI system, which is a text-to-video creation system. Okay. So they had a bunch of videos, all of which were fake. They were all synthetic videos, which had never been seen before. Yeah. And some of them were pretty um, fantastical. Yeah. So, for example, one of it is, uh, I think they said it was Lagos in 2050 or something like that. And it's, you know, a, a pan shot that comes down over a, a bunch of tables with umbrellas over them and it pans down. And it pans on to two people and it keeps panning up to show the city and the sunset. Yeah. And I said, you know, it's about 15, 20 seconds. I fed that into um, Gemini, and that's literally what it told me. The only difference was that OpenAI said this was a fake Lagos, and um, Gemini said that it was in Ghana somewhere. But other than that, now, it the described is, the scene perfectly. The thing is, is that that it it could be it could be that ChatGTP had created it partially from Ghana and. Well, again, who knows? You know, who knows where the synthetic images came from? Good point. So, um, no, no, no. So, I used one of the other videos that they provided, which they describe. I think the prompt for it was something like two pi- two pirate ships in a coffee cup. Okay. And it looks like it's these two model pirate ships in a. You can you know. You can tell it's in a cup of some sort, although the cup is mostly zoom, you know, on the, yeah. the edges. And you see foam and the waves and so forth, and they're they're kind of bouncing around in this. Obviously, not something that Gemini ever would have seen. No, no. Gemini nailed it. It identified it as two miniature pirate ships floating in a cup of coffee. The music is dramatic, and it's clear that there is a battle about to begin. The foam, the, the, the foam of the coffee is waves. Okay? Um, so it, it captured it, but yeah. Are we, I mean, are we sure that there's nothing embedded inside of these files? Well, no, we're not. I still, I still, well, because, so, well, no, because Google mentioned that they were going to do some kind of a watermark water tag inside of their, their files. Right. Are and we sure that there isn't open something a- inside OpenAI that that ChatGTP is picking up on because it's it's not so, looking at the picture it's reading the pixels. So here's the thing: OpenAI said that there is no watermarking yet on what they released. Oh, One. do we believe them? Yeah. Well, in this case, yes, I do. Because if they had put in the watermarking, they would be boasting about it. So that's one. Two is. The file name that I used, I used a file name that did not reference what it was. It was an abstract file name. So maybe there was something in there that's talking about, you know, that included the prompt. But I don't think so based on two things. One, there's no evidence of that. And, I, you know, I can go reading through the file, but I don't think there's any evidence of it. Two, it hallucinated. It invented the fact that there was music playing. 
so I, I still it, don't understand why it keeps hallucinating on stuff. Why does it invent date? Uh, because stuff? that's because that's what the pattern system does. It's not actually trying to. I mean, that's how these LLMs work. They're pattern systems, and if you see a pirate ship, if you see a pirate ship, you're going to assume that Jack the Sparrow is playing in the background. Exactly. Exactly. You're going to assume the music is there. So it did. Because all of the other descriptions that we have of pirate ships may have described the music. Or it's been trained on video with audio that does have the music. So that's the, the pattern yeah. that it has set up. Yeah. Okay. But it's doing a pretty good job at identifying what these pictures are about. There's another one that is of a corgi with a selfie camera on the beach. So... <laughs> You know, I'm asking questions like... Okay, fine. You know, and it described that scene fine. Yeah. Um, and at one point, I asked how many seagulls were in this scene. Because... You and the numbers. You've got to have it identify things with numbers. And I think it's having issues well, with that. Did it, it Did it guess the seagulls or not? It got that correct. <coughs> it was just a lucky guess would be my guess. Maybe. Maybe. On all of them, I also asked... Is this a real video or is it fake? Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you if you have to. All right. What did it say? Um, so for the Corgi one, it said, this looks like it might be a real video. Because Corgis, you know, you can get harnesses that have selfie cameras for Corgis yeah, okay, and such. Okay. Yeah. Um, for the Lagos one, it said that it was, it was uh, a real video. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what it said about the coffee. But the reason it's reasoning in all of them was this is a plausible thing that can happen. Yeah. But, but see, that was, I mean, and I put this in quotes, reasoning. See, we're going to have issues with with like YouTube videos that if, the, if things get keep going the way they are, nobody's going to create original content anymore. Everything's just going to be created by AIs. That's, is, I mean, this we're, is true about... This, We're not this, needed is the, anymore. this is the big ethics question going on about all of this stuff. And my question about all of it is Does it and, and this this is this is the subject for another another uh, not even another two voice devs video because I think it's outside the dev question. It's an ethics question. It's a big ethics question. It's okay, so I can have something that will generate video. Wonderful. So what? Why do I care? What is the what is the usefulness of this? In because any, I'm really bad at editing YouTube videos. But I've got so much sample code that I could put out but, so many YouTube videos. But I hate sitting down editing YouTube but, videos. But but Linda, if I can have it generate the video for me, why would I want your videos at all? Yeah. Well, no, because you don't have my sample code. So I, what? See, but the I, thing is, so what? I could have the AI generate the sample code for me. Yeah, but the, and then write a video yeah, but about the AI it. AI sample code doesn't work half the time. It's hallucinating there as well. That's the problem with all of this stuff. Is that you know, no matter what gets created, it's going to be an inferior creation. For now, but what happens in five years? As, as I as I put it to a friend on Friday, I think that is indefinitely five years out. Um. You know, other stuff that I've heard people talking about what they want to do with these large context windows. And I was not out a call for people who are interested, and I, I'll put that out again. If there's something you want us to test, let us know, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do about testing it.
Yeah. I've heard people, I've heard a lot of people talking about using this for code analysis. So feed in your entire code base and ask questions about it. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually wondering, I was actually thinking about doing that. I already have a, uh, a sample project that I've been working on where I feed it my code and it goes ahead and it adds all the comments and the documentation and everything to it because... I mean, we're all too lazy to comment and add yeah. documentations over our, you know, functions. It knows what the functions are, so it does very good at that. So I, I think my 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 concern about that is that we're going to have a bunch of comments that tell us what the function does, but not why it does it. Oh yeah. Well, let me see. That's the thing is, I, is then you've got the people that are already saying that the. The code should be self-documenting. Well, I was never I, a fan of that. I, you know, I was never a fan of it either, but I think the, the, the documentation should be telling you why oh, yeah. we have oh, this yeah. function oh, here, yeah. this not does what this it does. Because, yeah, yeah, not just what it does. You know, and maybe, maybe these large context windows will let us say things like, I'm looking at this function, why is it here? I don't, you know, I can see what it does, but I don't know why it does it. And maybe... This will do it. Maybe when you tie the code in with the documentation for, you know, with the language documentation, it will be able to do something. So I'm interested to see those experiments, how they go. I've seen people who are talking about things like they're feeding it grammar structures for languages that it's not been trained on. How do we know what languages it hasn't been trained on? Well, there are a ton. I mean, there are languages, that, you know, there are languages out there which are almost dead which have you know a couple of hundred speakers yeah. there's not a lot of material in that language yeah but there is a grammar guide for that language yeah. and a dictionary of that language and if you feed it that information it's able to do translations well, into cool. and out of that language which is interesting so those sorts of things seem interesting um but right now you know I feel like at least what we're you know, at least what we're playing with with Gemini one five, um, I see a lot of potential. I see a lot that we can play with, but there are some issues with it right now. There are a lot of issues with it right now. It's clearly still experimental. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, but I mean, all know, of this is technically experimental. Well, sure. But I think this is more experimental than most. <laughs> but have you have you actually done any testing between the regular Gemini and Gemini 1.5 to see if the, the actual text responses that it gives back, if you completely ignore the million, are, are they the same? Are they similar? That's a good question. I, I did a few. And okay. the, I, I will say that the responses are different. I basically did the, the, the write me a story about a boat and it was two different boat stories and the second boat story with 1.5 was actually longer whether or not it was better I don't know. well one of the things that i did note that when they announced 1.5 is that they said its reasoning abilities it's you know all of its processing abilities was on par with uh gemini 1.0 ultra so it was on par with the larger of the gemini 1.0 models with Ultra. So, so the, the... We don't have a heck of a lot of information out there no, but on this is Ultra. What, this is what right they now. were saying. 
was that, you know, it's Gemini 1.5 Pro, just in terms of its normal processing ability, is better than Gemini 1.0 Pro. Okay. I think there's, you know, so certainly there's more tests to be done there. Um, but I think right now this is very experimental. You know, I see a lot of people are clamoring to get their hands on it because they want to, you know, plug it into their APIs and do amazing stuff yeah, with it. Yeah, but they haven't like, realized it, it doesn't work with the API. There, there is no API for it yet, correct. No, it doesn't work with the API. See, that's the thing is that we've heard from a lot of the, even the GDEs that have been testing with it is, I, I saw several people coming with, why am I getting an error? And they're testing with the API. With the API. And I'm like, right. Um, another it interesting, only works in AI Studio. You it can't only works in AI, AI Studio. Uh, another thing that I found interesting is that you can't adjust the temperature setting right now. So it's it's locked in place. Really? Really? The temperature slider is disabled. So there, you know. I wonder what it's set to to default. Is it? I don't know. But, you know, this is clearly really just let's experiment with this, see what we can do, see what issues we're coming up with. And that's what I mean when I say that it's clearly experimental. This is just, you know, try it out. We're going to run into issues. Um, but that's why they whitelist this stuff is right, because they don't have enough Googlers out there to test everything. And honestly, you and I come up with some really good ways of breaking things. We come up with some wonderful edge cases. I agree. Um, I think the other thing about showing why this isn't quite ready for prime time yet is... It's slow. I mean, oh yeah, it's it's slow. But I mean, we don't know how big of a machine they put it up on. They they know they only have X number of people on it for whitelisted right now, right. anyway. So they may not have put it up on a giant machine. Well, and... but also, but also, what we know is, you know, when they were talking about when they said ten million tokens, they said they were running a machine. You know, their top end machine with their top end TensorFlow. Their yeah. You know, their their top machine with their top tensor CPUs. Yeah. Um, Is was it running on that maxed now? out and yeah. melting was I think how they put it. Yeah. So, you know, they're pushing the limits on this. Yeah. There's only so far they can push it. And they said that, you know, they're working on getting it faster. You know, well, there, there are certain question. things that they can still do. But but even with that, you know, processing uh, you know, six hundred thousand tokens took about sixty seconds. Processing 800,000 tokens took about 80 seconds. Processing a 20-second video took about 20 seconds. Yeah. Um, so these are, these are big. But I guess if you're doing a bulk processing of something, that's not totally unreasonable. No, but I, another issue that I have is how reasonable it's going to be even having this as, an, as part of the API. Because you've got to think that I uploaded that 18 megabyte file. When you're doing an HTTP post, now even if these calls are gRPC, there is still a limit to the amount of data we are going to be able to send up to the server. Can we send a million tokens? And you're going to have to have some kind of a a failover, you know, if yeah. the upload fails, you're going to have to be able to do a resume on it. I think all of that is going to be 
hard for them to do right away with the API. So I don't think we're going to be seeing an API for this for a while. Oh, I don't think so either. I mean, I think there are some, there are certainly some workarounds and it show the, the API as it exists today shows how to do some of those workarounds. Yeah. You know, so on the Vertex AI side, for example, you can process videos with Gemini 1.0 yeah. Pro. The videos are a maximum of two seconds yeah. and four meg. So you don't have a, a big, not, no, you can't do a lot there. It's going to be hard but for it, them because we but in order to do it, But in order to do it, you have to upload the video separately to Google Cloud Storage. Oh, and yeah. Provide, yeah. And provide the URL to the Google Cloud Storage. So your individual request can be relatively small. And you're just including all of these other files. So yeah. that's, that's a workaround that I think they can, they can put in place pretty easily. But yeah, yeah but if you want people to use cloud storage along with the API, then it's not going to be the free version of Gemini API. It's this, going to have to go through Vertex. Right. And I think that's at least one of the reasons why they don't have this API out there yeah. is that, um, you know, the, the only the thing that makes any sense somewhere. Is, yeah, yeah, it's it's going to make sense to go through cloud storage, like you said. Right. Or Google Drive, which is where AI Studio is currently storing everything. Well, I mean, the main issue that I have with it storing everything on Google Drive is it's going to eat up your drive space. Yeah, well, that's what that's what a Google One subscription is for. Um, a lot of interesting stuff here, but really, really early days of all of this. Uh, but I think there's a lot here that developers can use. We can start thinking about this. You know, I think one of the big questions is going to be, uh, how does this compare to retrieval augmented generation with vector databases? And that's a, a big question that's out there. Um, there are some people saying, oh, the, the vector database solution is obsolete. It doesn't, you know, there's no need for it anymore. And I think they're wrong. I think they're very wrong. You know, if you, um, if you, if you do a cost analysis, pretty much, you know, just, based on what the charge is to use it in Vertex AI today, one million tokens costs about 50 cents a query, which okay. when you look at that, you say, that's not bad, you know, 50 cents, that's, that's nothing, until you start adding it up. Yeah. And it adds up really, really quickly. Whereas doing the same thing with a vector database is fractions of a penny per query yeah when you weigh those two it's a very very different cost uh calculation and unless the cost comes down tremendously you're not going to be sending a million tokens well just to ask just to do a search over two voice dev transcripts yeah we've got better ways to do that there's got to be some real reason to use a million i i just I can't find a valid use case that would make it worth the money that it's going to cost. Right. And, you know, I think I think it will make sense on small individual one-off things. Things like searching through, you know, identifying videos. Well, I don't know. If you have like, like, a, um, like an insurance company or maybe a lawyer and they want to search through giant case files and do an analysis on that... 
it may be cost effective for them, but for the average user and the average requests, I don't see anybody needing to use a million or even wanting to pay to use a million. Well, and I think that's what it boils down to is why, you know, and this goes back to the question I raised about why generate synthetic videos. I think we really need to understand what it is we want to use these for and is that a cost effective use or are there better ways to do the yeah. same thing? And I think there may be. In many cases, there may be. In some cases, maybe not. Um, and hopefully those some cases are, you know, ones that we can think about charging a dollar per query on. But those are the questions we will be discussing. Love to hear other people's takes on all of this, because that's a lot. Um, I'm going to give one final use case. Uh-oh. I, after this is done, I will feed this transcript into Gemini and ask it to generate summaries and generate uh, markers and so forth. And we'll see how well it does. That will be the description that you see below. I should try that. Um, folks can find us, give us your ideas, give us your questions. Uh, we're on LinkedIn. Leave comments below. We will talk about this a lot more. I am quite sure. Oh yeah, on definitely. A, on, uh, on your videos, some videos that I may be putting out, and on a future episode of Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. Thanks, Linda. This has been fun. Oh, it's been great, as always.